Uh, Jesus knows all about our struggles. Isn't that true? Jesus knows all about us. He knows our struggles. He's a man familiar with suffering, you know, and uh, challenges in life. Uh, before I, you know, dive into the message today, uh, in the last 24 hours, you know, received some, some news. It felt like, hey, we are a family. We got to be there for each other. And there's some challenging things that are happening. And uh, this is from our brother, uh, Lattice Riley. Uh, we are asking for continued prayers for the Riley family as Lauren's cancer has exhibited significant progression along her spine and Lauren is now in home hospice care. Lauren is feeling okay through managed care at the moment. Uh, the family is grateful to everyone for all the prayers, love, and support over the past two years and are asking for continued prayers as they go through this difficult journey. So there's no easy way to share that. So we just got to pray. Uh, also got this text as well. Sad to share that Marius uh, Voster uh, has had a cardiac arrest and is now on life support with no brain activity with a very poor prognosis. He is at Northside Hospital in Sandy Springs, and his wife, June, said it would be great if a bunch of people uh, could pray and even come by if they could. She believes that he can still hear. Wow. Um, wow, it's a lot going on right there. So I'm just going to pray. Uh, Lord, just really challenging news, uh, very hard to hear. We just come to you heavy-hearted, uh, sadness in our hearts. We are human. We, we feel these things. We just cry out to you as your children. We, uh, we pray for Lauren. We pray that she feels our love as we pray that even somehow she can just embrace all these prayers that are going up for her. And uh, pray for Lattice, the family. Uh, just pray for them to experience your comfort, Lord, in a way that they've never felt it before as they face a, a challenging, challenging moment. And we pray also for Marius. Um, you know, he's done so much work for the orphans in Africa over the years and um, just pray for him. Uh, Lord, I just pray that, you know, something miraculous could happen with him. So it could also happen, Lord, with what's happening with Lauren. We, we just, God, we, we just don't know. We, we, we feel confused sometimes, and, uh, but thankfully we can go to you. And we know that you understand sorrow and you understand the frailty of life. But Lord, we, we also just have to remember that we don't, we don't believe death is the answer for those that follow you, Lord. It is a transition to another life. And Lord, I just pray that we can, we can, through our sorrow, remember that promise. That because Jesus walked out of his tomb, he's shown us what you can do with your power. And we too can be resurrected to a new life because of our faith in Jesus. And it's in, in these moments, Lord, where I feel like 
That is comforting to know. Uh, and I pray for the Rileys. I pray for Marius and June and the family. God, I, I just pray that you can use this time. Uh, it's going to be tough to transition to the sermon, but you know what? Lord, you got this. <laughs> the Spirit has it. And uh, pray in his name. Amen. 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 So, and my computer almost fell. Thank you, Peter. <laughs> Gosh, that would have been just crazy. All right. Hello, everyone. Uh, we are going to, have, we're continuing our series on the Sermon on the Mount today. And uh, I wanted to just remind you of something about the Sermon on the Mount. I think there are some thematic concepts that kind of bet, are bedrock concepts to keep remembering when we think about what Jesus was doing. And one of the concepts that he would kind of, he was really trying to get at is that righteousness is not something that's just external. Um, it, it's got to be something that's coming from the inside. There's a whole life orientation toward Jesus, a whole heart perspective that one needs to have, not just kind of checking boxes and doing the externals. Um, and so one of the things that Jesus said was, you know, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And for, for the people listening, they thought, well, those Pharisees and scribes, they're really spiritual. They're really knowledgeable. They seem like they really have it together. Wow. I, how is that possible? And I, I think we got to realize this, that Jesus is getting at something deeper. You know, it's, it's, it's a heart level that he cares about. God has always cared about the heart. <laughs> it is a mistake to say, well, the Old Testament, you know, God didn't care about what was going on in the heart. That's not true. God did care about what was going on in the heart. Read the prophets. They were trying to get to people's hearts, not just get them to externally follow the sacrificial laws. Become the people that God wants you to be. Be that light to the nations. That was a message in the Old Testament too. And Jesus is saying similar things, but in, his, in the fulfillment of how he brings it out as the king of the kingdom. And so our righteousness, hopefully, that we can see, it's, it's not just about following the rules, showing up to church. No, it's deeper than that. It's a whole life, whole heart, inner orientation toward living with your life under the reign of Jesus. That's what it's about. And so today, we're going to take another slice of the sermon, right? And if you ain't ready to get whew, challenged, then you ain't in the right place. That's all I can say. So here's kind of a framing question even for today. How is a person who has the surpassing righteousness of Christ, how is that type of person supposed to react to being offended How does a person react to being offended? That's kind of what we're getting at today in this section of the Sermon on the Mount. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evildoer. If anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your coat, Give your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go also the second mile. Give to everyone who begs from you and do not refuse anyone who wants to borrow from you. Are you challenged yet? Yeah. yeah. First of all, 
Jesus is assuming some things, right? An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. That's actually in the scriptures. So Jesus isn't just making stuff up on the fly, all right? It's helpful to understand the context of that stuff, right? What is he referring to? Well, it does say it in, in Exodus, Leviticus, and in Deuteronomy. It talks about this eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. This is in, the, in, in God's word, right? What about Leviticus 24? Anyone who maims another shall suffer the same injury in return. Fracture for fracture. Eye for eye, tooth for tooth. The injury inflicted is the injury to be suffered. All right, now these are stipulations given kind of to those that were trying to provide some sense of social judgment, you know, in their day. God was giving them these stipulations. And you go, wow, that's, that's interesting. We're not done. Deuteronomy 19. If, if the witness is a false witness, so the, the judge is trying to figure this out, right? And God, oh, if the witness is a false witness, having testified falsely against another, then you shall do to the false witness just as the false witness had meant to do to the other. So you shall purge the evil from your midst. The rest shall hear and be afraid. And a crime such as this shall never again be committed among you. Show no pity. Life for life. Eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. Uh. You say, wait, what's going on here? Here's the interesting thing about even these teachings, right? This, technically, I read one of the places says these concepts are the oldest laws that we have in written history. These concepts. There are laws that predate even this time, right? And this is the concept that they refer to it as, right? The law of retaliation. This was known. This was found in other law codes, not just in the Bible. Other, other civilizations, other societies had similar rules under this concept, this retribution, right? The thing is, is that it was actually a merciful retribution. Because you know how people are. If you poke me in the eye, I might not just poke you in your eye. I might poke you in your eye, kick you in the leg, throw you out. The, you know what I mean? That's how, that's how we are. That's how we are. You, you, you know that. You, you turn on the news just like everybody else. So what are these laws doing? It's like, don't you dare go beyond that. So these, these laws, while to us it sounds kind of crazy, they did provide some type of limiting retribution. Don't go beyond Let's cap this craziness so it doesn't spiral out of control. Just an eye for an eye. Just. So that was the concept. Because we already know in the Bible people are messed up. You don't need to turn three, four pages in your Bible and there's murder. A brother murders his own brother. What? What in the world? Because you're upset because you didn't deal with the heart like Nick preached about when that anger gets inside of you and you don't deal with it. These are the things that can happen, right? And so you, you see Cain and Abel, you go, wow, I can't believe Cain did that. And then you start to see how people are progressively getting worse. And then you see this dude, this is, guys, chapter four of the Bible. This is early on. Then you, you see this guy, Lamech. And look what Lamech's talking about. He's talking to his wives 
Hear my voice, women, you know. Listen to what I say. I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for striking me. Cain is avenged sevenfold, truly Lamech seventyfold. What is going on here? He's bragging. And what, what happened to him? He was, he was wounded. He was struck. And how did he re- respond? He killed the guy. Whoa. Whoa. Th- this is page four of the body. This is, how pe- this is sh- the sinful nature of, of who we are. And we read, we're here in the Cobb County. <laughs> oh, I would never do something like that. You know, it's, it's not me. And then I read this quote. I was like, yeah, that's kind of how we are. We all know that beneath our genteel veneers is an apparently inexhaustible capacity for cultured anger and vengeance. I think that's how we are. We might not try to poke somebody's eye out. We're more, we're cultured. We're more respectable in our vengeance and our retribution. Oh, you put me down at work? Oh, it's going to be like that? Oh, okay, I got you. I'm going to remember that. And the next time your name comes up around the district managers in town, oh, we'll see what happens. We, 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 we can go there. We, 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 we're cultured in it. We might not say it out loud or everybody here, but we'll get back at you. Oh, I will get back at you. Man struck me. I killed him. This is people. This is how we can be. And so Jesus is dealing with this type of stuff. And this, te- this teaching is not easy, right? Like I said, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye, tooth for tooth. But I say, don't even resist, resist an evildoer. And I think sometimes that can be hard to understand. And I like how N.T. Wright put it. Don't use violence to resist evil. I mean, that's more what, he, what, what Jesus is really trying to get at. You don't need to go there in your, in your resistance. Uh, if, you know, if you, if you want a, a, a life that surpasses the righteousness you know, of the Pharisees, if you, if you want to exhibit to the world what a life shaped by Jesus is like, uh, then we don't respond to injustice with vengeance. We don't respond with hatred. That's not how we're supposed to be if we have a cross-shaped life, all right? But here's the deal. We don't resist with violence, right? That's not how Jesus is really getting at. And, and I appreciate also, the don't you appreciate people in, in real life that have figured out a way to just not go there and be that spiteful type person? You know what I mean? You know, there's, there's fi- historical figures you go, wow, I mean, how did they do that, you know? No, they're not, per- no person's perfect, right? But you just go, some people are like, how in the world Nelson Mandela didn't get out of jail and start just killing people, you know what I mean? Like, how did he just not lose his mind, you know, and just take people out, right? Or even Dietrich Bonhoeffer, right? Just trying to preach, you know, in the, Nazi Germany, he's preaching, he's still preaching against all that stuff and, and, and ended up getting his life taken. He ended, up, he ended up dying for just preaching the message of Jesus in Nazi Germany. When other people would just shut up and not say anything, he was speaking out, he was outspoken. And I pre- one of the quotes that he has, he said, evil will become powerless when it finds no opposing object, no resistance, but instead is willingly born and suffered. Evil meets an opponent for which it is not a match. And he said, of course, this happens only when the last remnant of resistance is removed, when the urge to retaliate evil with evil is completely renounced. Then evil cannot achieve its goal of creating more evil. It remains alone. And this is a guy who lived it, preaching Jesus in Nazi Germany. I'm not going to retaliate 
the way they are. The way they are. The scriptures teach us, don't be overcome by evil. Overcome evil with good. Amen. This is a real life dude, right? Not easy teaching, right? Anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other also. I think we misappropriate this passage. I'm going to tell you why. Because here's the deal. <laughs> if someone strikes you, why does it say the right cheek? I mean, seriously, you ever think about it? Like, they didn't have to put that in there. Yeah. Why, why the right cheek? Is there something potentially going on that in our culture we just don't get? You know? The right, why the right cheek? Because in this culture, and we have even laws that say, if you are backslapped, so to speak, if somebody slaps you across your right cheek, kind of a backslap, that was a sign of an insult. That was actually a huge sign of an insult. You have been publicly insulted, right? In our culture, we go, whatever. So maybe we need something different. Like for our culture, let's say you're driving in your car, somebody cuts you off, and then they give you the bird. Right? They just, middle finger, there you go. Like in our culture, middle finger equals insult. Like we kind of get that. Like in this culture, they would say, middle finger, what in the world? What, what is <laughs> but they would get across on the right cheek. Whoa, that's an insult. So Jesus is getting at, what do you do when you're offended or insulted? Okay. I think what we kind of take it is, you know, you've been brutally attacked. And somebody coming at you, you're trying to knock you out. You're supposed to let him hit. You, hit get, get me again. You're supposed to do that. <laughs> That's not really what Jesus is talking about. You're importing a different concept to a passage that's not trying to argue that. This is, when are you just insulted? How are you going to respond? Right? And, and, and people uh, of, of that have been shaped by Jesus, people who are under the reign and rule of Jesus, who want to live like the light of this world, how are you going to respond when you get insulted? Because you know, you like Lamech, that's all, it, it, you're ready to just come back with that barb or with that, you know, payback or whatever. How are you going to respond? And obviously we, we, have, the, we have an example of Jesus, Right? The high priest tore his clothes and said, you know, he has blasphemed. Why do we still need witnesses? You have now heard his blasphemy. What do you think? And they answered, he deserves death. Then they spat in his face and struck him. Some slapped him saying, prophesy to us, you Messiah. Who is it that struck you? And how did Jesus respond? He clocked. No, he did not. <laughs> he did not. Same gospel writer. Jesus teaches something and then he models it. He could have retaliated. Spitting on the face is another insulting thing. He didn't spit back. Right? When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. 
That's how a person who's been shaped by the cross of Christ responds to insults. You got to figure out God has got me. I don't like what I just heard. I don't like this feeling. I am tempted to knock this dude out, but I'm not going to do it. Why? Because I'm conscious of who I'm trying to become, and I want Jesus to live his life through me, and I'm going to show this person something different. Because guess what? When we show the world something different, we become a light. We become salt. That's what Jesus was getting at. It don't take God to just... Slap somebody when they slap you. You don't need God for that. What we need to go to church for? If we're going to just be doing that, everybody doing that. Right? So let's not try to use that scripture and, you know, go all John Eldridge like, you know, I taught my kid to punch somebody. Don't be this sissy. Turn the other cheek. You know, God, I'm not going there. Personally, I'm not going there. I don't think that scripture is that what that scripture is trying to get at, okay? <clears throat> if anyone wants to sue you and take your coat, give your cloak as well. You go, what in the world is going on? Have any of you ever watched the People's Court or something like that? Yeah. Judge Judy? Yeah. You know, you ain't never seen nobody talking about coats and stuff. Again, we're, there's a big gap, guys. <laughs> we're in the 21st century. We're reading this stuff, and this stuff doesn't make sense because we don't, what is going on? Right? <laughs> you know? And, uh, and the reality is, I read like five commentaries. They said five different things. I laughed every time I read something, you know. One person talked about, well, this is when you get persecuted. When somebody's trying to rip you off. And the end of the day, you know what I like? One of the guys said, he said something I really like. And I just said, I just steal his quote. <laughs> Behind this lies the principle which, by which every Christian is called to live. Do not make your rights the basis for your relationships with others. Be prepared to take a lowly position as a humble servant. Be prepared to pay the price of imitating the example of Jesus. And I kind of think Paul in a different context than this, I acknowledge, but the concept. Remember in Paul is talking about Christians? Like, why would a Christian sue another Christian? You know what Paul literally writes in 1 Corinthians 6? He says, why not just be wronged? Just be wronged. And for us, rugged individual Americans that fight for our stuff, my rights, this is mine, not yours. I have rights. I've worked hard. This is mine. In our culture, man, that's hard for us. You sue me, I'm lawyering it up. I'm coming after you. Okay. Again, you don't need Jesus to do that. You can, anybody can do that. Right? There's something in this principle, and we can go into, well, the cloak was something that was important, and it was, and there is a mosaic law that says even if you do get somebody's cloak and you win it legally in a lawsuit, you actually have to give it back before nightfall because they need it to stay warm. That's in, the, that's in the scriptures. So that's at work. Somehow that's at work in here, you know. So even if you legally get something, you know, you, you got to kind of return it and, but hey, give them your cloak too, in your coat. Give them your undergarment. If you take it absolutely, literally, that means a bunch of naked people going to be walking around all day long. That's not what it's supposed to be. It's not, leg- it's not this legalistic reading, right? So just slow your roll. It's a weird thing to us, but the principle, I think, 
Are we just going to always hold on to our rights and sue back and all this? Or are we willing to even be, even be wronged? Because that would show something to the world. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go also the second mile. Again, we don't usually see this in our lives. I'm pretty sure there's not one person in this room, somebody has looked at you and said, you need to go walk a mile. I mean, we, now, in their culture, as Jesus is given the Sermon on the Mount, there quite literally could have been Roman soldiers literally there making sure that something crazy is not going on with this crazy preacher guy. They could have been Roman soldiers just scattered throughout as Jesus is saying these words. And guess what those Roman soldiers that were occupying, and they were the running things there in that area of the world. You know what? If a Roman soldier came up to you and said, hey, pick that up. Pick this up. You know what you had to do, Jewish person? Pick it up. They had every right to tell you to pick it up. Imagine if you were a Jew. A hated Roman tells you, hey, pick this up. Carry it. Imagine what you'd be feeling. You'd be hate, you, the hatred would probably just, boil, the heat would just rise up. And what would your attitude be like when you went over to that pack? I know what mine would be like. If I, mean, if I hadn't prayed to Jesus that day, I'd be like, yeah, this pack? Oh, yeah, I'll get it real quick, you know. You know, you just want to just pick it up. Walking like, you know, hating every second. Take my dignity away from me like this heavy pack. Just pick me out of the crowd. I got stuff to do. And I can't do nothing about it. Right? Think of the Jim Crow South. Hey, boy, come over here. You know, you retaliate, you're done. What are you feeling? Right? And Jesus is tapping into it. See, these things are not easy. Jesus said, okay, they tell you, they force you to go a mile, and that's their right. How are you going to go that mile? How are you going to walk that mile? What kind of attitude are you going to have? <laughs> are you going to deal with your heart or are you going to let that fester? Because if you just, every step, if you just let it fester, this is wrong, I hate this, this is evil, these people are terrible, I would never do this. If I were, all the things you can think, every step of that mile, that's going to create you into a person. That shapes how you view this world. And it shapes who you become. And maybe you don't retaliate in that moment, but by the time you get home and your wife says something to you a little funny, you might retaliate then. Or your neighbor doesn't give you your tool back and you go over and tell him what's wrong with him. Who are you becoming? Or are you going to go, this is wrong, I have no desire to pick this pack up. But Mr. Roman, you know, how are you doing today? I read in my Bible this morning about serving people. How far am I supposed to go anyway? Where are we going? I'll take it further if you need. I know you got your emperor, but I got one too. And King Jesus tells me, I'm going to carry this pack as long as you want even further. Because I serve another king. And I want him to shape who I am in the inside out. So let's walk this mile and let's keep it going. You know, that's, that's showing the world something else. 
Give to everyone who begs from you and do not refuse anyone who wants to borrow from you. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Pull out your wallet because, <laughs> you know, that's where I'm going with it, right? Jesus says it right there. So, Jeff, so that means when I go to the Hawks game and I'm walking to my car. And, and, and all, hey, hey, man, hey, what's up? Hey, what's up, bro? So I'm supposed to pull out my wallet and just disseminate cash to everybody that comes my way. In fact, I need to go to the AT, ATM before the Hawks game, and I need to have in my mind how many people I think going to ask me for money. And then I need to, because Jesus, Jeff, the, the Bible says it right there. Okay. Is, is this how we're supposed to be reading this? I don't know. I, I tend to think of it this way. I think Jesus is trying to get at something. I think you can be, you can pick that pack up like we said and have a certain attitude or you can have a different attitude. When somebody comes to beg from you, you can have a certain attitude or you can have a different attitude. Because you can give somebody money and still hate, hate them. You can, you can give them some money. See, if you just worked harder, like me, because I grew up, I worked hard. You should have listened in school. You can, you can look down on them and just nothing Christ-like in your heart, but you can give them, you can give them money. I mean, is that, is, that, is that it? Because if you take it to his logical conclusion, you could give all your money away. That don't make sense. So you, 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 buy, uh, you buy a house. Okay, there's nothing necessarily wrong with buying a house. And last, last I checked, you have a mortgage. You, but Jesus said, I got to give money. Everybody asks me for money. So you give all your money. Banker says, hey, bro, your payment is due. Oh, Jesus told me to give my money away. I can't pay. Oh, so now you're going you gonna to mess up another commandment, <laughs> you know, because you gave up the money. Now you're going to violate something else in the Bible. You're not paying back your debts. What? Surely, we can't be looking at the Bible this way sometimes, all right? I think Jesus is getting at what kind of heart, what kind of person are you going to be when you go out there and people begging from you? When somebody begs from you and asks you for money, what are they going to receive from you? Are they going to receive a willingness to give? And maybe you do give. I'm not, I think we should be giving people, and very, I, I think we should be very generous. But I, I pray, I hope we're generous with how are you? Type, you know, God loves you. Hey, what's your name? Stuff like that. I think that's what Jesus is getting at. People want to borrow from you. Don't make them feel like an idiot. You may or may not be able to give it to them. I don't know your financial situation, but you can have some humanity in that exchange. Whereas oftentimes people are met with hostility or they are shamed when they're in a position of begging. What if you affirm somebody and show them something different because that is what the light does. That is what Jesus would do. These are hard, these are hard, these are hard teachings. And uh, like I said, you might agree, you might disagree, and trust me, there have been people that for centuries have disagreed and agreed. People read these passages, you know, like uh, guys like Martin Luther, I mean, he read this passage, oh, Jesus is actually, he's talking about just personal interactions um, he's not talking about 
uh, like interactions, if the state causes you to do something or tells you to do something, then you can, you know, you can kill, you can do whatever you want to do if the state tells you to do it. But on a personal level, Jesus says you shouldn't do that. That's a teaching that many have to this day. That's how they look at some of these passages, you know, turning the other cheek or later we're going to get into loving your enemies, all this kind of stuff. Oh, there's a personal and there's a civil and there's, they're different. Jesus was getting at different things. There's people got different things. I don't know where you stand, right? But I'm going to tell you what, I love how challenging these passages are. And I believe that Jesus, if we can allow them to really transform us, we can help transform this world. I really do. And, and I read this guy, this guy, you know, Scott McKnight, he re- writes a lot of stuff. And he, he read, wrote something that was interesting. He, he went through a lot of different tra- uh, ways to process the Sermon on the Mount, and especially some of the stuff that comes across is like, how do I retaliate? How do I resist? How do I do that? And he came out on this end of it, and I thought it was interesting. I'm not saying I agree with everything he's writing, but I love it. It, it, it like really causes me to think, and I, I like when that happens, you know. He said, uh, I cannot kill a non-Christian. For when Christ has died, oh no, I cannot kill a a non-Christian for whom Christ has died and to whom I am called to preach the gospel for the state. That would be rendering to Caesar what is God's and deconstruct the kingdom mission. I cannot kill a fellow Christian for the state. That would be rendering to Caesar what is God's. My first allegiance is to the king and to his kingdom people. I am called to cooperate with the state to the degree it is consistent with the kingdom. I cannot in good conscience cooperate with the state when it is inconsistent with the kingdom. That would be to render to Caesar what is God's. I, you know, I, I'll say, huh. and he goes, I cannot ask in the, lit, in the first instance if this is pre- practicable. In other words, is this really practical? I mean, can, can a person really practice? He goes, I'm not even going to ask that. What I am going to ask in the first instance, what does it mean to follow Jesus? interesting stuff. People are going to land in a lot of different ways. But I'll tell you what, when I read this passage, I hear Jesus saying, be a light in this world. Don't retaliate like everybody else retaliates. Don't use violence to retaliate. Don't let evil take you out and make you become evil. Evil seeks to propagate. (laughs) So why would you do things that allows evil to keep going? Stem the tide. Shut it down. And you know what? Guess what? You might actually suffer. You might actually lose the respect of some people. And I think Jesus says, so did I. And who are you following? Because they took Jesus... And they did all this stuff to him. And he absorbed it, took it upon himself, and he transformed the world. He didn't grab onto his rights every second he could have. So I'm just saying, I think this is challenging stuff. But I think if we're going to follow Jesus, why in the world we think it's just going to be easy and simple? So I think you should think about that. Um, I'm going to say a prayer for the Lord's Supper. And we also offer, um, for family group discussion, we offer kind of discussion questions. 
and you can find those on our website. They usually show up the follow, like tomorrow, they're usually there, so that when you get in your small group, you can have a good discussion. And uh, prayerfully, we can partake of those and grow together as we try to follow these amazingly rich and challenging teachings of our Lord Jesus. So let's pray. <clears throat> Lord, we're just grateful to pray to you in this moment. Honestly, just grateful to pray to a God who chose not to retaliate against each one of us for all of the ways we have insulted you, Lord. But you have shown us compassion and patience. You've been long-suffering with us, and uh, you showed us who you really are when Jesus came and lived among us and not just gave sermons, but he actually lived what he taught. And this morning, we've really looked at how Jesus did not retaliate in the way that others would retaliate because he trusted himself to you, Lord. And I just pray we can do that. I pray we can learn how to do that in this world. And I pray that we can not try to find the loopholes and stuff like that and just accept your teachings with humility. And I pray that we can really remember how Jesus embodied all that we just read this morning as we take the Lord's Supper that represents this bread that represents his body and the, the juice that represents his blood and, and how that allows us to commune with each other as the body of Jesus and as we connect with you, Lord, and as we really experience what it means to be your people. People are doing this all over the world today in remembrance of Jesus, and I pray we can experience that connection with the body of Christ universal. We offer this prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen.